0: Alright, so I want you to imagine yourself, you're driving home from work, maybe you got the music pumping, didn't know I could do that, did you? <laughs> maybe you got, you're just wrapped up in, in, in talk radio and you're, you're getting all mad about stuff, I don't know. Maybe you're trying to get your pulse down from road rage that you've experienced but as you're nearing your home, you begin to see a few familiar faces as you drive by. Maybe you wave, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't even make eye contact. And as you get to your house, you hit the garage door remote, the door comes up, you pull in, you hit the the button again, the door closes behind you, and you are home. You made it. You're at your casa, your castle, your crib. And the day is over. And while that sounds good, that life is a life that is disconnected from our neighbors. From the people that live all around us that God has placed us in the midst of. There's a world right outside our front doors that maybe you and I aren't engaged with. And let me just say this that might be the story for many of us. There may be some version that you have of that story. And while that might be the story that many of us have, it doesn't mean that that is the right story, even if the majority of us do that. So this series, what we've been talking about last week and this week and next week is simply this. How do we engage our neighbors? How do we become good neighbors? And ultimately, how do we love our neighbors? How do we do that? Uh, last week we talked about why we would do that, and Jesus made this profound statement. Uh, he affirmed it, and then he said it elsewhere in Scripture, that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Love our neighbors as self. And so why we choose to love our neighbor is because Jesus said that was like the second greatest commandment, is to love our neighbors like ourselves. And last week we said we needed that, and our neighbors need us to neighbor, and our, even the church needs us to represent Christ well and learn how to neighbor well, today, what we want to talk about is how to neighbor. How to neighbor. You know, it was probably some years ago when people sat on the front porch and they were really connected to their neighbors. That was the common thing to do. And some of you probably remember those days. Um, but we have forgotten or we have never really uh, understood how to neighbor well. And so today we want to talk about that. And I always want to say as honestly as I can, I'm not very far ahead of you guys when it comes to this. I read a book and God's been dealing with me about this issue for about five or six weeks ahead of you guys. And so I am learning how to become a good neighbor. So let's learn from the master himself on how to be a good neighbor. We're going to turn, if you got your Bibles, to Luke chapter 5, or the verses will be on the screen. And as we, as we turn to this passage, you've got to understand something. First of all, Jesus didn't live in a gated community, right? In fact, Jesus never owned his own home at all. And so while we're going to learn from him, understand there are some differences in the text and the circumstances that we're going to look at in Jesus' life. But the principles for you and I to know how to neighbor well come right from the life of the master himself. So let's learn how to neighbor. Uh, starting in Luke 5:27, it says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So the very obvious thing that we can see that Jesus did here is that he went out and met some new people. He engaged in Levi, this person he had not known before. And what's remarkable about this is Jesus was already really relationally connected in his life. Jesus had already called some of his disciples to him. And so he had close, intimate relationships with other God followers. And he, was, he had his little circle around him. And he was very satisfied in those relationships, He also had a huge crowd of people, throngs of people, so much so these huge crowds would follow him from town to town and place to place. Hey, feed us again, Jesus. Heal our sick again, Jesus. And so Jesus was inundated in relationships. I mean, it was like the paparazzi following him around. And yet, despite the fact that he had all these relationships going on, Jesus still made it a point to what? To meet new people like Levi. Now, that's our very first thing. It's so simple. It's so simple. But our first step, if you and I are going to learn to love our neighbors, the first thing we have to learn to do is to go meet them, to go meet some new people in our neighborhood. Right? Now, if you're over, we've decided in our little huddle this morning before the service, the age is about 35, unless your name's Dakota. Okay? Uh, Otherwise, if you're over 35, you're uh, going to know this video, and you're going to want to sing along to this little video we're going to show you, okay? And you can do that. Feel free to do that. If you're under 35, here's some ancient wisdom being dropped on you. You know, there are a lot of people that we haven't met around the neighborhood yet. Let's see if we can meet a few more, all right? Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood... In your neighborhood, I'm say, who are, are the people in your neighborhood? The people that you meet each day. Uh, excuse me, sir. Oh. Uh, yes, uh, you know what time it is really for class? Say, you must yeah. be some of the new people around the neighborhood. That's right, that's yes. right. We'll give you clues okay, who let's, we are. Okay, let's, let's do that. Yes, yeah, we work with... Blackboard and, Blackboard. Chalk. and yes. chalk. and we work uh, usually in a big building. In a big building? And we uh, work with children. Yeah. I know who you are. What? Your teachers. Right. Oh, a teacher works the whole day through To teach important things to you We'll teach you things you won't forget. Like numbers and the alphabet. Everybody sing along. Because the teacher is a person in your neighborhood. Yes, in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Yes, a teacher is a person in your neighborhood. A person that you meet each day. Let's take. All right. <laughs> you are going to love me because you're going to be singing that the rest of your day. You're welcome. And when you lay down tonight and you curse my name, I'm sorry. (laughs) Who are the people in our neighborhood? That's a great question. And, you know, understand something. There are some personality things, but really regardless of our personality, there's always a little bit of a level of awkwardness when it comes to meeting new people and getting in new situations. But see, awkwardness isn't fear. Awkwardness is a little bit less than that. It might be uh, a little bit of tension or a little bit of stress, but it's not exactly fear we're facing. It's just the idea of possible rejection when we meet new people. And so the truth of the matter is that awkwardness won't kill you. Now, some of you that think it will, I've got a verse for you. All right, if you think meeting new people will kill you, listen to this in 2nd uh, Timothy. He says, "For the spirit God gave us, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline." See, knowing that God is with us and knowing that God is in us, we can have the power and the love and the boldness and the self-discipline to push through any kind of awkwardness we may feel as we're meeting new people, as we're getting out and meeting our neighbors, that God is more than enough. He's more than sufficient to push through and become a great neighbor and take that first step. Now, When we do that, it's helpful to have a tool. And this is something in the book we read, uh, getting ready for this. There's a tool that you can use to start identifying and start uh, keeping track of your neighbors. Because if you're new to this, you likely don't know all your neighbors. And so in the book that we read, it was called a block map. Okay? A block map. It's a simple tool. And basically, this is my block map. I know that's really small for some of y'all. But it's... It's uh, nine blocks, three in a row, okay? And in the very middle is your house. And then what you want to do is the people that live across the street or across the way, you put their names or you try to put their names, the two people on either side of you, and the three people behind you, the the houses that surround your house, whether you live in a neighborhood or don't live in a neighborhood, and you begin to try to identify who lives around me. Now, I just want to confess something. I got, this is my block map, I got one first name wrong, uh, I missed two kids, and I had three last names I didn't know, okay, so I had some work here, but I, but I didn't do uh, as good as I could have, and so I'm learning my neighbors that way, this is a tool you're going to want to use that you can create and start keeping track of uh, who your neighbors are, now, I had to sort of channel my inner nerd, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, I did this on graph paper, um, And my my blocks are pretty precise, I'm going to say. I used to be an engineer, in case you didn't know that. But that wasn't good enough. My inner nerd came out, and I printed off a Google map of my neighborhood. Yeah. And I've got a key down here with names and stuff, and i got street addresses, and I know what their bank accounts are. No, I'm sorry. I don't know that. (laughs) But I wasn't satisfied with the block map, so I was like, I want to know all my neighbors. And so I printed that thing out, and I'm working on that. But we need a tool to sort of figure out who do we know and who do we don't know. Who do we need to meet, and who have we already met? So let me just ask you, who are the people in your neighborhood? You want me to quit singing, don't you? In your neighborhood. Can you fill out the names of your little block map? Can you do that? If you got blanks of people in the eight homes around you, then you and I have some work to do. We need to get busy meeting some of our neighbors. So let me challenge you to do that and start learning to love your neighbors. And as you and I do this, as we start meeting people, guess what happens? Those those strangers that live right near us, they become acquaintances. It changes. And suddenly when you're driving in the neighborhood or you're driving near your home, you don't not make eye contact with them, you wave and you know their name and you ask how their kid's doing and you go from a stranger to an acquaintance. And God begins the process of building a relationship in their lives. And you'll have no clue where this is going. You'll have no clue what God wants to do with it. What we're going to do though is being obedient to the very first step of this whole being a neighbor thing. And just jumping out there and taking the lead. The next step is the continuation of the passage from Luke chapter 5. So not only did Jesus meet Levi, check out what happens next in the passage. It says this. It says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, so what was Jesus doing when we saw him in the first scene? He was meeting new people. He was meeting Levi. Levi. But in this scene, he's doing something even more than that. He's actually hanging out with new people. He's hanging out with new people, right? And let's just be honest. This wasn't a Sprite and Cheetos kind of party. That's not what they were serving there. We'll say, well, how do you know that? Why do you know that there was more, why do you know that there was some, maybe some rough characters or some questionable activity going on? Because Jesus caught heck for going to this party, right? Why else would he be getting criticized by the religious leaders of his day if he was at a uppity, uppity kind of party? He wasn't at an uppity, uppity kind of party. He was at a down in the dirt kind of party. Are you with me? Maybe you're with me. (laughs) You're like, oh, where'd you going with this? <laughs> Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing to stick his neck out and hang around people, and being criticized for hanging out with people that he wanted a neighbor in love, even though he chose, he knew he would be misunderstood and abused for that decision to be a good neighbor to them. He was willing to do that and hang around people that weren't just like him. He was hanging out with new people that wasn't just like uh, him and his disciples. In fact, that's what we've got to do if we're going to be good neighbors. We've got to be willing to hang out with people that are not just like us. We've got to be willing to hang out with people that are not just in our church crowd. We've got to be willing to hang out with people that may not do, think, and say the same things that you do. Maybe that's why we see Jesus several different times in the New Testament hanging out at a party because he knew the power of a party. Now, let me make something clear. I'm not saying that if you go to a a certain kind of party that you need to engage in the activities of that party. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, now you're with me. (laughs) But what I am saying is that you may need to put yourself in a situation and still keep the character of Christ and yet represent Christ to people that would otherwise not see him. And that's what Jesus was doing when he was hanging out with these new people, when he was hanging out with the tax collectors and these other people that the religious people refused to be around. He was willing to do that because they were exactly the people that he came for. That's why he came. Let me just ask you something. Has your character ever been questioned? Because of the kind of people that you hung around? Because of your convictions for Jesus Christ? Have you ever been questioned for hanging around the wrong crowd because you were doing the right thing and you were questioned by religious people or church people or certainly spiritual people that wanted to condemn you for hanging around the people that God wanted you to hang around? And if you have, that would be a badge of honor. Jesus was. And he was willing to take that abuse. He was willing to take that abuse and take this second step of being a neighbor and hanging out with people that everyone else ignored. Now, when we, when we do this, I, I just want to... Um... I just want to think through this with you a minute because if we're going to meet new people and hang out with new people, this is not like we're going to do this for two or three weeks during the neighbor series and then Pastor Rod will stop talking about it and then we can go back to our normal life and we can ignore our neighbors again. Okay, this is a long-term pattern. This is going to take time because the way relationships grow is not instantaneous. It takes a lot of time. And some of you know that you're guarded and you, it takes time for you to let people in. And so when you engage your neighbors, it's going to take time for them to let you in. And you're going to talk about the very basic things of life and just the, you know, nominal information. And your conversation is going to be like, wow, Thursday was cloudy, right? Yeah, Thursday was cloudy, whatever. And then slowly you begin to divulge personal information and you open up to other people. And they begin to open up to you and you start talking about your dreams and your wishes and your desires in life. And maybe if the relationship gets deep enough in a friendship form, you could even talk about your fears and your insecurities. And so understand, if we're going to be good neighbors, this hanging out with new people, this is a long time happening. This is like the rest of our time in our neighborhood, or the rest of the time that we live or we live, that we're going to just be committed to hanging out with some new folks and building relationships with them. And you know, some people will never let you in all the way. Some people will never let you in. But we'll never know who those people are unless we try. Unless we start hanging out with them. I've never had somebody just come up to me and start pouring their heart out to me that didn't know me as a person. It takes time to get to the place where people feel comfortable enough to, with us that they could say, hey, I see something different about your life. Or man, I want to be near that person because they have a quality that I don't see in other people. And so hanging out with them affords God the opportunity for us to be light in a dark place and salt in a place that needs, to, needs salt to preserve it. So, It's a process. Now, help let me help you get very practical about this. You think you're thinking, well, man, how do you get started? You don't just go to your neighbor's house. Hi, I'm your neighbor. You want to want to be friends? You know, I mean, like, (laughs) how does that conversation go, right? So we got to kind of think creatively how are we going to do this? So think about things that you already like to do, and maybe there's some common ground. If you like to hunt and they like to hunt, what could you do? You go hunt. Together. If you like to crochet, and the big burly guy next door likes to crochet, you crochet together. All right. And you begin to find some common ground and do some things you were already going to do, but do them with your neighbor. neighbor. Yeah. You got it. Other things that we can do is, um, uh, this was a good one for me. It says, instead of playing in the backyard, start playing with your family in your front yard. Why is it that we go to the backyard and isolate ourselves from people when if we played in the front yard, maybe we'll connect with some other people that are nearby? I thought that was a great piece of advice. Real practically, you can take walks. You can take walks through your neighborhood and meet people. Your dog will love you for it. All right? Um, you could bake goods and take them to your neighbors and just say, "Hey, I wanted to give you this. This is a good neighbor." As an act of kindness, I wanted to do this for you, and you break the ice by just doing some things like that. I'll tell you another one, and I believe in this is throw a block party. Throw a block party in your neighborhood. Okay, what does that look like? That doesn't mean you have to do anything. You invite one neighbor to host it, and you get some other people to help bring some food, and uh, you throw some games together, and some people lead games. You can. We have jumpies in flat houses here at the church. You can borrow those and bring them back, of course, but you can use those, and you can attract a bunch of little kids that want to jump on the jumpy, and you can throw a block party in your neighborhood, and together you can begin to connect with other neighbors doing something simple like that. Our church really, that was our bread and butter when we got going is we just threw block parties and had fun hanging out with people and we enjoyed meeting new people and we got involved in each other's lives and it was so simple and now sometimes I wonder why do we make it so hard when we just need to uh, find a way to hang out and really what your neighborhood needs is it doesn't need you to do it all. What we really need to just be instigators, just be the one to get the ball rolling and begin this hanging out with each other thing. And I'll just challenge you, throw one block party in your neighborhood and see what God would do with it. Just throw one block party and see if God doesn't cause this to happen and relationships to form. And strangers go from, people go from strangers to acquaintance. And then if you hang with it long enough and you hang out with them long enough, they'll go from an acquaintance to a friend. Isn't that what we really want when the day's over? When this whole series, if we're going to love our neighbors, that we would just be friends with the people around us. So that's step two and how God wants us to become neighbors. Now, you know the term person of peace? The, in the Bible, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, and he asked them to go to different towns and proclaim the good news, he sent them out and he said, find a person of peace. Find one home that you could kind of set up as your home base, and you can live there and eat there and stay there until you're done in that town. And he says, that's a person of peace. You said, you need to find that home when you move into a new town. Guys, can can I encourage you as we begin to hang out with people? Let's say you throw a block party. Let's say you're crocheting with your burly friend next door. Ask yourself, is this a person that I could call a person of peace? Someone that's open to a relationship, who's open to spending time with me, that maybe God will use as an entry point to the rest of the neighborhood. That's what God meant by person of peace. It doesn't mean the person we're most comfortable with. It doesn't mean the ones that are already Christians and are safe. It means the people that God has put in your lap that just seem to want to be drawn to you and and there's a connection there, and then if you spend a little time, you could end up being friends with them. You and I, if we're going to get this neighbor thing right, we've got to identify who those people of peace are, and we we need to engage them in relationship and spend time with them. And you're not going to be able to do that with everybody. Now, this is the part that you're just going to have to be discerning and ask the Holy Spirit's leadership on. And God, who is the person of peace? And who are the few families that I should be investing in? And who are the neighbors that I can go deeper with? Because you've got something going on in their life, or you've got to burn it in their heart. And if I just spend the time with them, there's going to be real relationship taking place. And the more we focus on those few, the more wise our investment is and the more God can use it. Because what God's not calling us to do is to go a mile wide and an inch deep in our neighborhoods. He's he's got certain people in your neighborhoods that he wants you guys to, to love in a way that is really tangible and real and beyond the superficial. So I said it this way. It's the principle of focus. And we need to be friendly with everybody, but make friends with a few. If we're going to be good neighbors, we need to be friendly with everybody and open to everybody, but really seek to become friends with the few people God's got in store for us to go deep with in that neighborhood. I love this story. I was confirming my story, make sure I had it right this morning. But uh, there's a neighborhood not too far from my house. I think it's off Jackson Trail, right? And uh, this has been cool. It's been over this... uh really several years, but I met Brian and Joanna Matheson some years ago, and they, they came to our church and got involved in our church. They've since moved to Royston, um, but they are neighbors with, uh, with you guys, with Todd and Erica Thomas right down front here, and uh, they were buddies, and they had a relationship, and they were close to each other, so when Brian and Joanna got excited about what God was doing in their life and excited about Crossroads, guess who started showing up at Crossroads? Todd and Erica and their whole family, and they've been uh, a part of our church family for years and years. And not long after that, I think these guys invited Hank and Patty in the back here, and Hank and Patty started coming to Crossroads, and they were getting involved, and their family was getting involved, and they began uh, to be a part of our family here because of the close relationship network that had taken place in the neighborhood. And then more recently, Adam and Sarah Dutton, right there next to the the Rossers, they've found a church home here at Crossroads, and they're uh, seeing God work in their life. And I can't tell you all the ways God has impacted these four families because they were good neighbors to each other. And I think about how simple that is. And yet how powerfully God has used that simple principle that if you're just friends with your neighbors and your heart comes alive with the gospel of Jesus Christ and it burns a fire that spreads to your neighbors around you. Isn't that good? Man, I praise God for how he's been at work in that neighborhood. It's awesome to see. And I think that could happen in my neighborhood and that could happen in your neighborhood. And that's what I want to see and I know that's what you want to see too now this whole series was really based on the story of of the uh, good Samaritan because Jesus was asked uh, what, what's the most important thing and the man said love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself And then he wanted to justify himself. And he said, Well, who is my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate who is our good neighbor. And he told the story of a man being beaten and robbed and left for dead on the road. And the priest walks by and does nothing. And the Levite, who's a spiritual person, walks by and does nothing. And yet the Samaritan who was frowned upon in in the Jewish culture, he stops and bandages the wounds of this poor beaten soul. And what I love about that from Luke chapter 10, this is actually our third step, step in how to become a good neighbor. It simply says this. It said, he took pity on him. He took pity on him. He took pity on him. He didn't just... We can't just say that we love our neighbors. We can't just wish them well. We can't just uh, love them from afar. If we're going to be like the Good Samaritan and be Good Samaritan kind of neighbors, we have to become, like he did, emotionally involved in our neighbors' lives and take action when there's a need because he bandaged this man's wounds. He carried him down to a safe place. He put him in an inn and paid for his stay. He did everything he could do to meet the needs of this stranger who suddenly became His neighbor. And if we're going to be those kind of neighbors to do everything we can do, with everything we've got to love our neighbors, then we need to learn to meet the needs of our neighbors. That's the third step of being a good neighbor. We need to meet new people. We need to hang out with new people. But ultimately, we need to meet, learn how to meet the needs of the people and the neighbors around us. Listen to what the uh, Scripture says. 1 John 3.18 says this. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. With actions and in truth. Guys, can I promise you something? There's going to be a time that the people who live around you are going to become in need. They're going to have needs in their life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, that they're going to have a a point in their life that they're going to need a neighbor like you. And if you've done the work of meeting them and connecting with them, then you'll be the person they turn to when they need you. If we learn to neighbor well. And if you're friends with them, Man, we can offer them the hope beyond all hope. We can offer them the one thing that endures through any situation. You may not be able to fix their situation, but if you're friends with them, you can point them to the one who can help them endure any situation, the living God, and his name is Jesus himself. That we can point him to the one that brings hope in a hopeless situation, peace when there is none, and life abundant even in the midst of tragedy and sorrow. We can point them to Jesus Christ. We get to point them to the best neighbor of all. Think about it. Jesus is the best neighbor for our neighbors. And if we love them, we'll point them to him. Because he loves your neighbor and he loves my neighbor. He does. He's already at work in your neighborhood. He's already at work in my neighborhood. He's already stirring the hearts of people that live around you like he's stirring the hearts of the people that live around me. And if we'll commit ourselves to loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, God will use you to point people to himself. So that's it, guys. That's the how to love your neighbor. You meet them, you hang with them, and you meet their needs. So now that we know how, the question is simply this. Will we? Will we neighbor our neighbor's? Will we meet our neighbors? Will we love our neighbors as Jesus intended? I've got a couple challenges for us as we wrestle that to the ground. And the first is simply this. You may not think it's connected, but your neighbors know you on social media. And we said last week we want to invite 10,000 people to Crossroads on Easter. That's a big number, right? (laughs) And the way we're going to do that is through social media. And so you need to like our Crossroads page. You need to share the post we have about Easter. We've got a banner hanging over there by the the counters on the way out. Take a picture of that or a selfie with that and post it to your uh, Facebook page or your Twitter page or Twitter thing or your Instagram. Whatever that's called. And let people know that they're not only welcome here, they are wanted here. Let them know that you love them and you want to come worship with you on Easter Sunday, okay? And you can uh, let them know through social media. I want to challenge some of you guys, or actually all of you, to fill out a block map and begin the process of identifying who you know and who you don't know and who you can begin to spend time with. And I also want to challenge you, if you will take the is find one way to spend a couple hours with one of your neighbors, in the next two weeks, to hang out with a neighbor in the next two weeks. Make a point to make an appointment with them or go see them or do something in common with them, and that's it, guys. That's all the challenge I've got for us. It's really simple stuff. It's just a question if we have the will to do it. My prayer is that I will learn and my family will learn and my church family will learn how to be great neighbors to our neighbors. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, maybe, maybe your uh, neighbors invited you to come here and this is all kind of new to you and you're not sure you know what it means to have a relationship with Christ, then let me tell you, that's no accident that you're here this morning, that God's got you here for a very specific purpose because he wants to have a relationship with you. In fact, that's why he created you, to know what it means to have a relationship with him that is so satisfying fulfilling that nothing else can be. And yet the one thing that keeps you from that relationship, it's called sin. It's in that passage that we read when Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came for the sinner. It's that sickness in all of us that we're selfish, that we, uh, we want what we want when we want it, and that we are in our very nature rebellious to God. And because that's who we are at the very core of our being, that alienates us from a holy and loving God. And yet when Jesus Christ came, he came to remove that sickness and to remove that sin so that you and I can have a relationship with God. He's the best neighbor because he loves you before you do anything for him. He loves you whether you ever turn to him or not. But he loves you so that you would turn to him, so that he could heal your sickness, so he could forgive your sin, and he could give you new life. That is why Jesus Christ came. And my question as we close is, will you respond to that offer today? His offer is open to you. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you're going through now. Jesus wants a relationship with you and is willing to forgive you. If you'll simply ask him to do so, to turn from your sin and self and turn to Jesus Christ as the healer in your life. Will you pray with me this morning? God in heaven, I thank you that you didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. Because every single one of us, God, are not righteous in your sight. We are broken and sick in your sight. And yet through your son, Jesus Christ, because you loved us so much, you are willing for him to take our sickness. You're willing for him to take our sin and our shame and even our condemnation that we might be given life and forgiveness. God, when I think about the reality of that, I think that is the best offer I have ever heard. You mean God doesn't need me to clean up my act first? No. You mean I don't need to know a bunch of Bible verses before I I do this? No, you don't. You mean I can just come empty and broken without anything to offer God and call on Him to have mercy and to forgive me even though I don't deserve it? Yes. That is how great our God is. And if that's the desire of your heart this morning, if you will simply call out to God and say, God, I'm sick. This disease of selfishness and sin is in me. And I need to be healed. I'm ready to be healed. I'm turning from my sin. And I'm turning to Jesus to forgive me and to heal me and to make all things new. As we keep praying, if that's the desire of your heart, if that was your prayer this morning to the God who loves you, raise your hand and declare to him, God has healed me this morning. I was sick, and yet now I am healed by the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God, we praise you. We praise you for being that kind of healer. And Father, for all of us, teach us what it means to be a good neighbor. It's so simple, yet, God, it's going to take a significant investment on our part, God, to love our neighbors like you have loved us. God, like we love ourselves. So, God, I pray you burn this conviction deep that this isn't a three-week series and we go back to life as normal. God, I pray you change the way we live and think in our neighborhoods and in our homes so we think differently about the people around us, that we love them with the love that you have for us, and we'd be willing to be scorned and mocked to hang around people that may not look like us because it's worth it because they're worth it because you love them like you love us. God, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.